Isn't Jesus amazing? It's why we're here. I'm going to give a special welcome to our guests and those that have been with us um, before, but maybe it's your second or third or fourth time. Welcome. We're so glad to have you here, and um, we just trust that you're going to do like we have been training ourselves to do, and that's put our faith dial, turn it all the way over to wide open, to that part where it says, receive from the Lord, and uh, leave it set there, and then the Lord will minister to you. You know, he once spoke through a donkey, right? And so if he can speak through a donkey, I take great, great confidence that he can also speak through me then. And um, the Pharisees, they came and they came to Jesus. So So they did the one part right, they came. But the problem was, is they didn't go away blessed. Not because the message was bad, or the speaker wasn't anointed, but because their heart wasn't right. And so the condition of your heart this morning is of mega importance. And the condition of your heart needs to be to the Lord, directed to the Lord, that He can speak and minister to you as He wills. Alright? And He can take a simple thing and um, multiply it many times over. That's said to you in that revelation last week if you were with us. Or if you, you got to listen to the message that Pastor Dale brought us, he talked about divine revelation and that God gives us the ability to see. And we're talking spiritual see, right? And that as you take scriptures and he opens your eyes to be able to see things that you couldn't see, you know, you can't argue a person into salvation. Even though you might have the best arguments in the world, it comes by divine revelation. That they can see. And by divine revelation that your ears are open to hear. You know, you think back in your life and, you know, scriptures that you read now, that years ago you didn't have light on, and years ago they didn't make sense to you, but now it's like, wow, this is an amazing scripture, how did I not see it before? Well, what is that? Well, that's revelation coming to you and your mind being renewed in the Lord in a way that it hadn't been before. And um, I think uh, uh, Apostle Dale talked about this last week in a, a book that he was reading maybe by Watchman Nee and how Watchman Nee wasn't real smart when, when Dale first started reading his books, right? But as time moved on, he got smarter. And uh, it was a funny illustration because it showed the revelation that was coming to Apostle Dale as he, as he was maturing. And recently we went through that series on being uh, growing in the Lord and maturing in the Lord. And So as we mature together, we're going to expect that God brings divine revelation to you and I. You know, the Lord had to open Jesus' ear so that He could have divine revelation. Did you know that? You can find that in Isaiah. And it talks about how his ear was opened and how he gave himself and how his beard was pulled out. And you read down through it and there's no mistaking who it's talking about. It's talking about Jesus. But his ear had to be opened. Well, if the Son of God's ear had to be opened, then surely you and I's ear needs to be opened. And we need to ask the Lord and say, Lord, open my ear so that I can hear. How many times has Jesus said, he that has an ear, let him hear? Because there are those that don't have an ear. 
And if you're here this morning, I don't believe it's by accident. I believe this because the Lord has something to say to you. Something that's unique to you. Even though one message goes out, the Lord has a very unique interest in you. In you personally. He's not looking at making cookie cutter Christians that all look alike, that all just are all shaped the same and formed the same. No, you have a unique characteristics about you and about your person, and He wants the light of God to be in that what He has created. And so this morning, that's where we're going to go. And 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 um, I told my wife on the way to church this morning, we need a miracle if I intend to get through the whole sermon. Because there's a lot there that it just continues to grow. You know how those things go. <clears throat> so if you would, put up on the screen for us this morning in the New King James, Proverbs 23.7. This isn't really our text. I just wanted to use this as a springboard into some of our texts. And before we really get into what I want to feed you this morning, what I want to teach you this morning, we're going to have to set the table first. Right? You know how that some meals you just... You know, go by and put things on your plate from the kitchen and put it in the microwave and go sit in the living room. And those are just meals that are just, you're filling a need, a hunger need. But then there's other meals that are special where, man, you break out, you put everything on the table, everyone gathers around after the table's set and you enjoy the meal together. Well, that's what's going on this morning. We're going to enjoy the meal together, but before we get to the meal, we have to do a little bit of table setting so that you understand the meal a little better than before. So in Proverbs 23, actually let's go to verse 6 instead of 7 in the uh, New King James. It says, Do not eat the bread of a miser, nor desire his delicacies. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart's not with you. So what is he saying here? The miser... He says one thing, but he's thinking another, and his actions will end up lining up with his words. And so, what he is saying with his mouth, he's not believing in his heart. And he says one thing, but he believes another, he thinks another. So, we, we often we quote the line, right, as a man thinks, so is he. Well, long story short, why is that? Because as you think... That's how you will talk eventually. What you believe is what will come out of your mouth. And what comes out of your mouth will shape your life. The power of life and death is in the tongue. That's what Scripture tells us. And so, those that love it will eat its fruit. You don't have to love it. Your tongue will still shape things. But if you love it, you get to enjoy the fruit of it. Not just put up with what it gives you. There's a difference. Not my sermon for this morning. But as a man thinks, so is he. So this morning we're going to teach you how to think. Teach you how to think. And let's make it real simple. We want to think like Jesus thinks. Think like he thought. And how do we know how Jesus thought? Well, we can look look at what he did. That's what he thought. What he did. His actions lined up with his thoughts. And what did Jesus think? Well, he, where did he get those thoughts? He got them from the Father. Remember, he said, I don't do anything except that I see the Father do it, except I hear the Father say it. So whatever Jesus did, it was because those were the thoughts of the Father. And so that's where we want to get. 
is where we have His thoughts in us, and then we can walk around confidently and speak with authority instead of uh, coming up with our own things. So in order to go talk about uh, uh, thinking the right things, let's first go all the way to the beginning, set the table properly. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, and I have a lot of scripture this morning. Genesis 2 verse 7 says, Then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. And man, the breath, God's breath, is pretty powerful stuff. God's breath, not in a bad way. He wasn't eating onions or garlic or anything. But he breathes on something and instead of killing it, it comes to life, right? He breathes on Adam, a, a, a shaped clay thing of dust, a statue. That's all it is. He breathes on it and it becomes a living being. And this word breath means wind or spirit. So God, whew, spirit into Adam. And this was a spirit of life. Not the spirit of death or broken downness or defeat or anything like that. Not the spirit of sickness or infirmity, but the spirit of, someone say it, life. The spirit of life is what God breathes. So now let's jump life-giving spirit. Let's all say life-giving spirit. Go to Ezekiel chapter 37, and some of you are familiar with what's in Ezekiel 37. And an amazing passage of Scripture that we could take a lot of time this morning and go through and see many parallels for the believer today in the world today. We're not going to do that. I just want you to see something. I'll read down through here quickly and then where I'm going to want you to focus on a few things about breath and about the spirit of life. In verse 1 of 37 in Ezekiel, it says, The hand of God, the Lord was on me. He brought me out by His Spirit and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There was a great many of them on the surface of the valley, and they were very dry. Then he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? I replied, Lord God, only you know. He said to me, Prophesy concerning these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says to these bones. I will cause breath to enter you, and you will live. I will put tendons on you, make flesh grow on you, and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you so that you come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded. While I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. As I looked, tendons appeared and on them, and flesh grew, and skin covered them as there was but there was no breath in them. He said to me, prophesy to the breath. Now this is the word spirit. Prophesy to the, to the breath, to the spirit. Prophesy, son of man. Say to it, this is what the Lord God says. Breath, come from the four winds and breathe into these slain so that they may live. Everyone say live. So I prophesied as He commanded me. The breath or the Spirit entered them. They came to life and stood on their feet, a vast army. 
Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Look how they say. Our bones are dried up and our hope is perished and we are cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, This is what the Lord God says. I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them, my people, and lead you into the land of Israel. You will know that I am the Lord, my people, when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you. We could just say my breath in you. You will live. I'm going to put my spirit in you and you will live. Now let's go to John chapter 20. John 20 and verse 22 is our our scripture. Now what this was is this was on resurrection day. And the context is, it was the first day of the week, it was Sunday morning, Jesus resurrects, and later in the day, the disciples, they're all together in a room, they're afraid, they've locked the door, and they're hanging out in there, and in verse 21, Jesus said to them again, well, he had just just arrived uh, into the room, and he says to them, peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And after saying this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Do you see the correlation? God breathed on Adam. And then the life-giving breath of God is an illustration to that vast dead army. Something that's just impossible. I mean, these guys aren't just, they died today and there's been a miracle and bringing them back to life, but I'm talking about they've decomposed, bones are just scattered. And yet, at the word of the Lord, they come together and breath enters them and they live. And so, we see the life-giving Spirit at work here. Well, then fast forward to now when Jesus is resurrected and He breathes on the disciples and He says, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, jump right over to Luke chapter 24. I told you there was going to be a lot of Scriptures. And we're just starting. In Luke chapter 24, this is the exact same context. I'm just going to show you what a different writer said about the same event. When Jesus breathed on them and when they received the Holy Spirit. It's the first day of the week. They're locked up in the room. And Jesus comes in and says, peace to you. And, and then, you know, He shows them His hands and feet. And, and they believe that it's Him. And He asks for some food. And then He begins to speak to them and tell them about... Uh, Let's just start in verse 44 of chapter 24 in Luke. Then he told them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So here you see that, that the prophets, the Old Testament books, and the Psalms, they must be fulfilled in the law. It must be fulfilled. It's not something that's just poetry. Verse 45, though, is where we're working towards here. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. Now this is the same event that took place in John 20, verse 22 that we read, where Jesus breathed on them, and it was at the breath of Jesus that the Holy Spirit came within them. That was their new birth experience. This is when they received the Holy Spirit. This was not the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but this was where they believed that Jesus was resurrected and lived, and they believed on Him in the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, or as some translations call it, the set-apart Spirit, came in and dwelt within them. This was their new birth experience. This was their salvation moment. 
when they believed. And so at their salvation moment, at their new birth experience, something happened on the inside of them that now they could see. And here it says he opened their minds to understand the Scripture. This is what happens when, as Apostle Dale was teaching us last week, divine revelation comes and we have the ability to see. To see things that you can't be argued into, right? They come by divine revelation. <clears throat> Let's go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. So he opened, someone say he opened their minds. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, these are some, some scriptures that were read last week. And I'm just going to continue to build on what Apostle Dale started. All right, let's look at verse uh, 14 in chapter 3 of 2 Corinthians. This is talking about how that Moses had gone to the Lord and then he put a veil over his face because he was shining. So he put a veil on it um, because they were afraid to look at him. So in verse 14 it says, But their minds, being the children of Israel, but their minds were closed for to this day. To what day? This day. day. That's present day still. To this day, at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains. It is not lifted because it is set aside only in Christ. The veil to understand is set aside only in Christ, the Anointed One. And so it is as it is set aside in Christ that suddenly you have light to see. Jump down to chapter 4 in verse 3 here says, but if, it's talking about, he's going on preaching here, and he's saying, but if in fact our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In other words, people that aren't born again yet. It's regarding them, the God of this age, the God of this world, that would be the devil, that's been, he's identified here, the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers, everyone say blinded the minds. Blinded the minds of the unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. So that they cannot see. So the veil is only removed in Christ. That's what happened back there in John 20, when Jesus breathed on them said, Receive the Holy Spirit. They believed that veil was removed. It was at that moment that Luke writes it this way. He says that he opened their minds to understand. We're still setting the table. We're setting the table so that we understand we need His help. We need divine revelation. It is by the Spirit of Christ in us that the words come to life and we have understanding in them as we read them and see them and look at them. It's so important. I mean, have you ever sat down and begin to read the Bible and it's just like, man, you read the same sentence three times and it's just like, it's stopping right here. Nothing's going on the inside. In that moment, just stop and pray and say, Lord, open my eyes. Give me eyes to see. Teach me. Show me from your word. And then you go back and read, and then it's like, arrows to the heart, right? Just right there. Let's go over to chapter 5 in 2 Corinthians here. 
And look at verse 17. We're talking about that new birth experience. What happens there? The veil is removed. In verse 17 it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that would be a born again person, right? Or as they become born again, as they step into Christ, there is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and look, all new things have come. Old things have passed away, all new things have come. So what are the new things that come at salvation? Did anyone here when they got born again get a new, new body, a new flesh? No. So the flesh isn't what gets born again. The flesh is still just as smelly as it was before. And if you need a shower once a day, you still need one after your salvation experience, right? So flesh is not what gets born again. You know, when you become born again, your, your mind, your thinking, your personality, your soul realm, your mind, your will, your emotions, that doesn't get born again either. People, this is where confusion often happens. People accept Christ, they become born again, and then they walk away and they still are dealing in their mind realm with all the same habits and desires and things they dealt with before because the flesh didn't get born again. It still has the same habits and cravings that it had before. The mind, all those patterns and habits that you have set in your mind, your will, your emotions, that's all still there. So the guy goes away going, well, maybe I didn't get it. And the devil comes, actually, he's the one that will come with that usually. And you go, maybe you're not saved. And he give, you know, a thought comes and you go, wow, boy, that's horrible. Yeah, that is horrible. It's not a saved person, I don't think. You're probably not even saved. In fact, You just said words back there and didn't even mean them. See, because it's not your soul that gets born again. It's not your flesh that gets born again. What is it that gets born again? Let's quickly go over to John chapter 3, where Jesus is speaking with Nicodemus. In John 3, I'll just start up in verse 1. He says, There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. Jesus replied, I assure you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Here we go, talking about seeing again and being born again. And unless you're born again, you cannot see. Unless the Spirit of Christ comes within you, you can't see. So it is at His coming that light comes, that revelation comes, and at His indwelling presence here that you are able to continue to walk in greater and greater revelation. And things that you've even forgotten that the Lord brings back to your remembrance. And you go, oh yeah, man, at one point I remember when this was life's bread to me. It was a brand new revelation to me. And I kind of forgot about that. And suddenly it comes whoosh right back in and it's like a new thing again. Well, that's the Spirit of the Lord working in you and bringing and opening your eyes. Well, here, let's keep reading. It says, unless someone is born again, that means born from above or born anew, he cannot see the kingdom of God. But how can anyone be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked him. Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? Jesus answered, I assure you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So he begins to define the part that's going to be born again here. Unless you're born of water, of flesh, right? Unless you're born into that realm, and you're born of the Spirit of God, so you are a spirit being. 
You know, we've had teachings on this, that you are a spirit being, you have an eternal soul, mind, will, and emotions, and you live in this temporary tent we call flesh, body. And praise the Lord, we're going to get a new one that's souped up and can do all kinds of great things. But right now, there's all kinds of limitations, and uh, a lot of, it's just prone to failure, this flesh. And it's why we need the covenant meal of the Lord Jesus to it's our, our divine healing. It's a taste of the body that will come. All right, let's see what he says here. He explains this water and spirit because this is kind of blind to Nicodemus. And in verse 6, Jesus brings greater light to it. He says, whatever is born of flesh, he doesn't call it water this time. Whatever is born of flesh is flesh and whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. So the flesh isn't what gets born again. That's the flesh. It's the spirit that gets born again. It's the Spirit that gets born again. Do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases and you hear it sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So what, what part of us is born again? Our spirit man on the inside. Second Corinthians chapter 3 is going to be our next stop. I told you there's a lot of scriptures this morning. A lot more than normal, but lots of Scripture is good. You understand that the Word of the Lord is your key. A lot of people, they want to know, man, what, how do we address, how do we operate in this current culture and time where everything is cancel culture this and, and offense that, and how do we, you know, there's a sure and a safe place. It may get you crucified, but there's a sure and safe place, and it's called the Word. And just put your anchor on there. Refuse to know only Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And this culture and all the changeable things around us will have a magnetic pull to you. Because you demonstrate that sureness, that steadfastness in the chief cornerstone, Jesus. Where were we going? 2 Corinthians 3. That's right. Now, we've already read verse 14 through 15. Maybe we'll just read it again. Let's, uh, let's read verse um, 14. But their minds were closed. This is the unborn again person. For to, this is talking about the Jews. It says, For to this day at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains. It is not lifted because it is set aside only in Christ. However, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, or the breath. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We all... Now remember, who is Paul preaching to here? He's writing to born-again believers. He's not writing to people whose veil remains. He's writing to people who have the Spirit of the Lord on the inside of them, and he is counting on them getting the revelation. He is trying to teach them here. And he goes on and he tells them, he said, we all with unveiled faces are reflecting the glory of the Lord. Or they're, they're looking like in a mirror, they're reflecting the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now isn't that where we started? The Spirit, the breath? Breathed in Adam. Adam becomes a living being. Fast forward to Jesus. Breathes on the disciples. They become living 
spirits instead of spirits that have died, separated from the Lord, living spirits, new birth on the inside. And in that new birth comes light and revelation. And so sometimes we behave like our salvation experience. That was where all the change took place. And now from this day forward, uh, I've just stepped into the kingdom and there's nothing more for me to do. Now is it right that we trust, that we rely steadfastly on the blood of Jesus and that it redeems us and that we are cleansed from all sin? Yes, absolutely. We stand confidently in that. But the process is not over. The process of of you working out your salvation is the way I believe Peter says it, is something that is yet to come. And here Paul is talking to born-again people, and now, now we're moving the table set and we're starting to eat. In verse 18, we just read it. We all, with unveiled faces, with born-again spirits, let's just say it a different way. We all, with born-again spirits, are looking in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed. This is ongoing, continuous action that's taking place. And transformed. You know, some of us don't like change. But you and I need to begin to love change. This kind of change. The transformational change that takes place as we look at the Lord and we begin to shine like He shines. As we begin to take shape and to change image into His image. Instead of reflecting that old world's image, but reflecting His image. That when people look at us, they think they're looking at the Father because that's the image we're casting off of us. Because He's in front of us. He's our mirror and He's reflecting off of us. And here, there's something that happens. When you look at Him like that, when you set yourself in front of Him, you are being transformed into the same image. And it's not just a one-time deal and your mind is renewed and it's now done, but it goes from glory to glory. It's ongoing, continuous action. And as soon as you stop looking in the mirror, that will begin to fade. And if you walk away from the mirror long enough, you will lose the revelation that you once walked in. It's time to get back to the mirror. But in the mirror isn't us, it's the Lord. And this is from the Lord who is the Spirit. He breathed on them. Right? said, receive the Spirit. Let's go to Romans chapter 12. Thank you, Lord, for helping me this morning and helping us and giving us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to understand your purposes and your truth. Romans 12 and verse 1 says, Therefore, therefore, now he, he, therefore is there because he had just been talking about Israel's rejection and that even though they've rejected the Lord, there will be, they will come to the Lord and he, he's referencing, he says, Therefore, you know, in other words, they've been passed over and you've been giving something, so listen up, guys. That's what he's saying. Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies, not your soul, not your spirit, the flesh. Present your bodies, that, that flesh that's prone to to decay and wearing out and sinful desires. Yeah, that flesh. Present that body as a living sacrifice. Not a dead one. A living one. A living one. 
holy and pleasing to God. Wouldn't it be nice to be pleasing to God? That you can confidently say, the Lord's pleased with me. Why would he be pleased with you? Whoa. There's several ways, several things the Scripture talks about pleasing Him, but one of them is when you present your flesh to Him as for His service and not your own. Verse 2, oh, he says, this is your spiritual worship or service. Worship and service are closely linked. Verse 2, do not be conformed to this age. Isn't there a great conforming taking place right now in our culture? The cancel culture, the tear this statue down, the support this movement, don't support that movement, and do it or your business is toast, and all these kind of crazy things that are happening in society right now. I mean, there is such a pressure to conform that if people are not anchored in truth and in the Word, man, without even realizing it, they just start getting sucked right in and formed to the pressure that the world is putting on them. You know, if you take a piece of, of, of like cling wrap, and if, if I had several people hold it tight by all four corners, and you began to stick your fist through it and stretch it, or like a balloon, right? That plastic begins to form to the shape of whatever is pressing into it. And that's what he's telling us, don't do that. Don't allow the current culture and the worldly desires that are all around you and surround you to pressure you into forming and fashioning after them. You can't think like them. Remember, let's go back to the beginning. This is why we set the table. As a man thinks, so is he. So if you think like the world, you will take shape like the world. But if you think like God, you will begin to take shape like God. And if you stand in front of Him and just look Him in the eye, in that mirror, image to image, remember, you're being transformed and you stand there and and you're looking at Him, well, guess whose thoughts you're going to be just just being flooded with? Him. His thoughts. Not the world's conformity. So do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed. There we have it again. Being transformed. Being changed. Your mind, your, your, your... Mind, your soulish realm, your emotions, your personality, your will didn't get born again. And so the, the process that has to happen after the new birth experience where the Spirit of God comes in you and begins to open your eyes to light, the process that has to happen next is right here. That you would be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the only way to renew your mind is to stay in the presence of God, to stay on the vine, to stay hooked up, to keep yourself washed in the water of the Word is what Scripture tells us. And it is in the knowledge of God that the power of God begins to work effectively in you. And it is by His knowledge in you, and you can't have His knowledge in you if you're not in front of Him and reading His Word and looking at His image and beginning to take shape and look like Him. But if you're over in front of another picture, you're going to begin to reflect that picture. If you would, put John, uh, Romans 12.2 up in the NLT. Romans 12, verse 2. It says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect. 
The Passion Translation reads this way, Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. But be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. A total reformation of how you think. We need a reformation in ourselves, in our souls. And that is the process of working out your salvation is getting the renewal of your mind. I'm not talking about the physical brain organ. That's just an organ just like the heart or anything else. I'm talking about the mind. The same mind that you will have in heaven. Your memories, they'll still be there. You'll recognize each other. That's your mind. The soul realm. Okay, And it goes on and he says, uh, you're going to be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His eyes. The Holman says, the purpose, okay, that's the purpose. We've already read it twice. The purpose of you having a renewed mind is so that you may discern, so that you may know what is the good, the pleasing, and the mature will of God. The perfect, that word perfect means mature, the fulfilled, the completed will of God. This is why you need a renewed mind, so that you know what God thinks and what He wants. This is why we have to be transformed into His image and keep Him in our face so that we think like He thinks so that we know what He wants. And if we know what He wants, the only thing left to do is do it. And then we become doers of the Word. Vitally important. It's an ongoing, this be transformed, again, it means ongoing continuous action in the Greek. The word be, ongoing continuous action. In fact, the ISV translation, we don't have it here to put on the screen, I'll just read it to you. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be continually transformed. <laughs> it just says it that way. Be, be continually transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may be able to determine what God's will is, what is proper, pleasing, and perfect. Ephesians chapter 6 Speaking of the mind, verse 17, this is talking about the armor of God. Remember this? We're not going to take time to read it all. We're just going to jump right to the verse we want to look at and examine. So your mind is on the inside and salvation, it's what you believe. What you, 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 here's why your thinking is so important, because what you think is what you will believe. Remember that as we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in our heart. So the believing part is vital, just like the confession part. you got to believe it. So here in verse 17 of Ephesians 6, he says, take the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. Well, what does the helmet of salvation? That's your mind. It's protecting your mind. That's what helmets do. It protects your thinking organism. That's your brain, but in the spiritual sense, it's going to protect your mind. If you have the helmet of salvation on, then the thoughts of the enemy are not going to be able to penetrate into your head. The thoughts that he wants to influence you with aren't going to be able to get through because you have his protection on your head. And his protection on your head looks a very specific way. And if we just keep reading, it explains it. 
says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is God's Word. When you read Revelations, where was the sword that Jesus had as He rode out on the white horse? In His mouth. That's where the sword is. The sword of the Spirit, of the breath. The sword of the breath. That's your words. So how, do, what, how does the helmet protect my mind, the helmet of salvation? With, the, with saying what God says. The sword of the Spirit coming out of your mouth. And then he takes it even further. He says, which is God's Word. And he takes it even further. With every prayer and request, pray at all times in the Spirit. Praying God's Word. That's how you're supposed to do that. Is you pray it and you say it. You pray and you say God's Word. And this puts a helmet of salvation around your head. Let me tell you, friends, if you are having thoughts that you should not have that are tormenting you, that are battling you, the way to change those thoughts and change the whole thing around is to begin to speak out loud something different. And if you will... I mean, truly, you can change your thoughts by just talking about yellow rubber duckies. Because you forget what you were talking about and anything you say out loud, your mind is going to immediately start thinking about that. And so you could say anything. But I recommend you not say anything. I recommend you actually begin to quote what the Word of God says about you. Things like, I have been given the mind of Christ. It doesn't mean that they took Jesus' brain out and zapped it into you. It means they took His Spirit and gave it to you. And in the light of His Spirit, your mind is now able to see what the mind of the Lord sees and understand and comprehend and revelation it's called. So you say what He said and you do that for just a minute or two and you'll have long forgotten that other thing that was trying to torment you. And as soon as that thought comes back to you, again, this is how you fight this thing and how you wear the helmet. Alright, five minutes to go. Shaka Bundy. You know, and we're not going to turn there in First Corinthians Chapter 2, Paul is talking about he talk, how he talked to them not with persuasive words, but by divine revelation. And how they believed because of that. And how spiritual things explain things to spiritual people. But natural minds, natural people cannot understand spiritual truths. And so it is by divine revelation they can understand. And then he quotes out of Isaiah 40 verses 13 and 14. And he, he kind of puts together into a quote the line when he says, For who has known the Lord's mind that He may instruct Him? And he answers it now because that was then. I mean, who has instructed the Lord and said, do it this way, right? That was then. Now he says, but we have the mind of Christ. See, just prior to this, he was telling them, he said, guys, he said, you know, um, all these people that are not spiritual, they don't understand things and, and nobody knows what's actually inside the heart of a man except for the man. And no one knows what's in the heart of the Lord except the Lord. I mean, who's instructed him, he goes. And then he changes it and he says, but we have the mind of Christ. That means we get to think like He thinks. We're supposed to think like He thinks. And that if we stay in front of the Lord, we'll be transformed into His image and we reflect His thoughts. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians 10. 
And verse 3 says, For although we are walking in the flesh, we do not wage war in a fleshly way, since the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. We demolish arguments and every high-minded thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God. This is important that you have the knowledge of God, because otherwise you wouldn't recognize that it's a thought that's raised up against it. That you have the knowledge of God taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That is that whole fighting with the sword of the Spirit and the helmet of salvation that I was talking about. is demonstrating it. You know how in Romans chapter 8, 5 and 6 it tells us that the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. It's time that our mindset is transformed and changed. The culture that we live in, the darkness that we live in, we cannot afford to not live this way. Because if you live the other way, you won't be anchored to truth. You won't be set in peace. And when people start having whispering and then shouting from the rooftops about oh, the newest fear thing that's coming, you'll be swept right into that crowd. And it takes mind control putting it back into, anchored into the Word. We're going to go to two more places. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. I know I'm giving you a fire hose this morning of a meal. With spiritual gluttony this morning, I guess. Colossians chapter 3. If, if you look in verse 1, it says, So if you have been raised with the Messiah, seek what is above where the Messiah is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on what is above, not on what is on the earth. So it's going to take a mindset and a constant mindset change because you are in the face of the Lord and you are reflecting His thoughts and actions and ideas. And the love of God is flowing in and through you. If you'll skip on down, all of this is really good, but for the sake of time, he talks about putting off the world and putting off the old man and its practices. In verse 10, you have put on the new man who's, who is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of his creator. Do you hear all that language again? Being renewed in knowledge that's in your mind according to his image. There's a renewal that has to take place. It doesn't take place in the new birth. And it is reliant upon you to get into the face of the Lord, into His presence, into the Word, okay? And allow that Word to transform your stinking thinking. Now jump on down. In fact, verse 11 is great for our time and culture today. Here there's not Greek and Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, black or white or green or purple, but Christ is all and in all. It doesn't say green and purple. I added that in for effect to cover everything. Now, if you'll just go on further down. Verse 14, above all, everybody always, John. Above all, put on love, the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of the Messiah to which you were also called in one body control your hearts. I said mind control, heart control. Let the peace of God rule let the umpire of peace, I believe is how the Amplified says it, rule your heart. And the only way the umpire of peace is going to rule your heart is if you have stayed in His image, reflecting Him. 
But man, as soon as you get away from that, man, suddenly other things begin to reflect off of you. It's time to get back to the face of the Lord, the Word, Jesus. We're going to close in, in Philippians 4. You don't need to turn there. I, in fact, I invite you to stand and just listen to it. For the sake of time, we have the Ethiopian service coming in right after us, so we don't want to delay them. I'm going to read to you from Philippians 4, verses 6 through 9. Just again, remember, we're talking about being transformed. That as we think, so we are. Because what we think is what we'll say. That if you speak to the mountain, is what Jesus said. If you say to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and don't doubt in your heart. The only way you're not going to doubt in your heart is with that mind renewal. So here we see in, in verse 6, it says, Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition. With thanksgiving. So don't worry about anything. Would that cover economic shutdowns and lockdowns? Would that cover viruses and diseases? How about unrest and political upheaval and riots? And it covers all of it. Don't worry about it. Come on, shut the news off. Get into the real news, the good news. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, all understanding, the peace of God, which goes past your natural understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus, that helmet of salvation. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, if there is any praise, dwell, think, meditate on these things. It says, do what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. You know, we are to let the Word of Christ dwell in us richly richly and we're supposed to encourage and admonish one another in songs in hymns in spiritual songs a renewed mindset changed mindset like the father going from glory to glory and no matter how how great we do today we want to go further with the lord not stop and plateau it today we want to go from glory to glory amen well, happy Father's Day to all of you fathers here. We just call you blessed in the name of Jesus. And we're going to have a time of uh, refreshment downstairs, encouraging each other. So everyone gather your things as quickly as possible and move downstairs. And I have instructed our sound crew to turn loud music on so you cannot talk in the sanctuary and that you do it downstairs. God bless you as you go. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Church of the Word International here at Landisville, Pennsylvania. So glad to see everybody here today. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'd like to encourage you as we are going to be stepping into worshiping together as a family in Psalms 111. 111 and 112 are very close psalms but one emphasizes the lord 
and it starts off with praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. Do you know you get to? You get to praise the Lord and praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright. Are we in the assembly of the upright? Amen. The works of the Lord are great, sought out by all them that have pleasure therein. His work is honorable and glorious, and his righteousness endureth forever. He has made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Isn't that good to remind yourself of all the character of God in your life? He has given meat to them that fear him. He will ever be mindful of his covenant. He has showed his people the power of his works, that he may give them a heritage to the heathen. The works of his hands are truth and judgment. All his commandments are sure. They stand fast forever and ever and are done in truth and uprightness. He sent redemption unto his people. Aren't you glad he sent Jesus? Hallelujah. He has commanded his covenant forever and ever. Holy and reverent is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's reverencing the Lord. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. His praise will endure forever. Let's all stand up together as a family in the assembling of the Lord and make up your mind no matter what you're going through. You're going to praise the Lord because he is so worthy of your praise. Amen. with each other, the body of Christ, 
the body of believers. Yes, Jesus is the head, but we are the body. Individual members, unique, but together connected so uniquely, so beautifully. Wow, what a great salvation the Lord has given each and every one of us. We have so much to be thankful for each and every day. Let's lift our hands and say, Father, thank you. Father, thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the shed blood of Jesus. Thank you for the shed blood. Thank you for the written word of God. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. We are so grateful. You've given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Everything. We have it all. And we walk victorious. We walk in overcoming spirit because of all that you've given us. And we are so grateful. We put that all in remembrance. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. There's so much more to be thankful for. But remind yourself. Put the Lord in remembrance of all that he's given, all that he is and all that he's done and all he's yet to do. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are a covenant people. People that have covenant. We just sang about the way maker, the promise keeper. And there's promise for you in this covenant that we're going to take together. Promise of deliverance. Promise of overcoming. So as we remember the broken body of Jesus, what it was broken for, for our health, for our healing. So if you need healing this morning, take that bread for your healing. Take it and remember the covenant of healing. Listen, if Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, He never turned someone away that came to Him for healing. He never turned them away and sent them away and said, it's not my will to heal you. He never did that. And when you look into the Old Testament, you see how the Father again and again demonstrated His covenant with healing. And so this morning, His covenant of healing is here, is available for you. And then we have the cup. And Jesus took the bread, He took the cup, and He thanked the Lord, knowing exactly what these meant. Looking way past the... the, the shame of the cross and the separation from God and the sin and all that was before Him, looking past that and seeing what was to come and and receiving it joyfully. He looked with joy at what was to come. And what He was looking at was you and I and many brothers and sisters that were coming into relationship with the Father. And that's what that cup means. That blood that cleanses us from all sin. Your sin is no match for the blood. (laughs) Aren't you glad about that? (laughs) Woo, that's good news. (laughs) Oh, thank you, Lord. (laughs) Father, we're so grateful to you this morning that you sent Jesus 
Jesus, we thank you for giving your blood and your body, for taking our sin upon you, for giving us your righteousness. Father, we glorify you. We worship you. We remember what Jesus has done for us. And we agree. We agree with the finished work that he established for us. And we declare this day that Jesus is Lord. Someone say, Jesus is Lord. All right, we'll go ahead and, and we'll start over on this side here. And if you just would start with the front row and file through, maybe come down the center aisle and, and wrap around the outside. And when this side's done, we'll move over here to this side. In the meantime, stay in a position of worship to the Lord. We do this in remembrance and worship to Him. you to just close your eyes for a moment if you would and picture yourself before the father on his throne you know Hebrews says we can come to him boldly where we'll find grace and mercy and I want I want you to picture yourself with these communion elements before the father doing this in remembrance of Jesus what this sacrifice meant means to you relationship with the Father. Health and life. Covenant with the Father. So let's take the bread in remembrance of Jesus. Father, we thank you for the broken body of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. It was horrible. And Father, we're glad that you made a way for us to have health and life in our physical body, healing in our soul realm. Lord, we thank you too for the cup, for the blood that gives us relationships gives us right standing before you that we can call you daddy and we do so let's take we receive father what you've given to us your righteousness. We just take it by faith. We receive it, Lord. Someone say, be it unto me. Be it unto According me. to your word. According to your word. Oh, thank you, Father. You are awesome, Lord. 
You are great and wonderful, mighty to be praised. You are worthy. <laughs> you are worthy of our praise. You are glorious and mighty to save. Oh, we worship you. <laughs> oh, the joy of the Lord be upon you. Be your strength. The peace of God be in and on you in a mighty way this morning. His light and revelation is dwelling in you and opening up your eyes and ears to things you've not seen or heard before. Things you've not understood are coming into your mind. and You're beginning to see more clearly than ever before because we live in a dark time. But the light is shining bright enough to light the world with His light. Glory to the Lord! <laughs> so be it unto me, Lord. <laughs> Woo. I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the assembly and worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Well, one way that we love God is by loving on one another, by looking in each other's eyes, encouraging each other. So I invite you to take a moment and do that now. We're going to send the children and the ministry workers to their various classes. We make miracle work, promise keep, light in darkness, my God. Well, good morning and welcome to Church of the Word International. It's a joy to be in the house of the Lord and a privilege. Let's not take it for granted ever, huh? That's right. Becomes more precious when it's threatened. Well, we would like to welcome our guests this morning. So if you are here for the very first time, please raise your hand so we can welcome you. Anyone here for the very first time? All right. Well, we do have some special visitors here. We have our uh, sister church, people from our sister church here. I'd like you all to stand up. Come on. Everyone give them a hand and a welcome. They're here for the week for uh, the Armada Conference. I think there might be more coming. So good to have you here. I just wanted to rec everybody to recognize who you are and and understand that they are our sister church, so love on them. All right, does anyone need a cash envelope for your giving? Raise your hand, the ushers will see that you get it. If you're giving by credit card, do fill out all the blanks. <clears throat> Did you know, as we prepare to return the tithe to the Lord, I know many of you know these things, but I'm going to say some foundational things because I don't want to take for granted that we all know, we, and you know, Maybe this is the first time you've heard something, heard these things this morning. So, have you ever thought that it's possible to rob God? Did you know that scripture says that you could rob God? 
Well, sometimes you hear the question, you know, does God really expect us to tithe? You know, that's just an Old Testament law thing, you know. Uh, Do we have to tithe? Well, first of all, let me point out that tithing predated the law. So it was before the law. We know Abraham tithed. We know uh, Jacob tithed. Second of all, Jesus, Jesus told us we should tithe. You know, he had the perfect opportunity to say it wasn't necessary. It's all passed away and all of that. But in Luke uh, chapter 11, verse 42, he told the Pharisees that they ought to tithe. Don't neglect the other things, you know, justice and love for God. But he says you ought to tithe. So I want to turn to Malachi chapter 3. And we're going to look at what God says about tithing in Malachi 3, verses 6 through 12. Starting verse 6 says, For I, the Lord, do not change. So that sets the context for what he's going to say next. It says, I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, How shall we return? So the children of Israel have walked away from the Lord, and they need to repent. And apparently they've been withholding the tithe. We'll see that in the next verse. But the question is asked, how do we return? How do we return to you, Lord? And this is the Lord's response. In verse 8, it says, Will a man rob God, yet you are robbing me? But you say, how have we robbed you? The Lord says, in your tithes and offerings. See, where we put our money reveals where our heart is. You might say, well, why why would, you know, in returning to God, you're saying I need to tithe and give offerings? Well, where we put our money reveals what's important to us, where your heart is. So he says, uh, yet you are robbing me, but you say, how have we robbed you in your tithes and offerings? Verse 9 says, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Now, I want to point out that we are not under a curse, because Galatians 3 says we've been redeemed from the curse. So we're not under curse. However, if you're not a tither, you are not qualifying for the next three verses, which are awesome. So let's read them. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby, or by this, put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. You know, Lord of hosts is saying he is the head of heavenly armies. Do you know you have the armies of the Lord fighting for you? He's on your side. The armies are fighting for you. Says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. And I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil, and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of the heavenly armies. (laughs) Then all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of the heavenly armies. See, we don't have to tithe. We get to tithe. We get to. We get to have supernatural help in our finances. So, you know what, it's your choice. You can do it your own. You can go on your own way and all of that. But Or you could have supernatural help. Or you could have supernatural provision and protection and blessing. All right. So, glory to God. We are redeemed from the curse. 
and we have the Lord's help. He's on our side. So let's uh, take a hold of your tithe and let's pray over that. Father, we are so grateful that you never change. That your promises that you gave yesterday are the same today. And the promise that you gave yesterday is it's always will stand. So we just thank you that you've promised to meet our need. We thank you that you've promised to open up the windows of heaven for the tither. And we just declare it so for every tither in this house in the name of Jesus. And amen. And the ushers can pass the baskets. So as many of you know, we have the Armada Landmark Conference is beginning this week, starting tomorrow at 1 in the afternoon. So, you know, come expecting good things. You know, much of what you get out of services like that is the heart you bring to it. What are you expecting? You expecting the Lord to speak to you, to move through you, to uh, reveal things to you? Come expecting. It's going to be a great time. If you have registered for suppers, we have suppers here at 5 p.m. If you have not registered to be here for supper, you will have to find your own dinner. (laughs) So, um, okay, so next week is our Mission Sunday. So be praying about where to, where the Lord would want you to put your mission offering. Also, the children can be bringing the offering for our sponsor child in Ghana, our special friend Michael. Thank you to all the volunteers that we had helping with the mulch. It looks great. Can we give them all a hand? Because we need, you know, it takes all... It takes everybody to to make things go and look nice around here. And you're doing it for Jesus. You know, I also want to say this, too. If anyone here would like to take a Sunday for the snack that we have downstairs. So as you see, you know, we have people take turns. All right. So you have different ones that have a whole week out of the month that they're responsible and they commit to being on for that whole for that Sunday of that month. So if you would have it in your heart to actually take a Sunday, it would be great. I know we all enjoy the food down there, and it's one way you serve Jesus by serving each other. So if you are interested in that, you can talk to Monica. Monica's sitting here on the third row.